save souls. Through the gospel, thank you that through missionaries, the word is going forth all over the world. And we pray that you would give us hearts that match your heart, your love for all people, and give us generosity to support this mission that is going out all over the face of the earth. Lord, we pray that through our offering this year, we'll hear many more testimonies like the one that we heard from this man about how you save, about how you change lives, about how you give hope and joy. And, and we pray that that joy would encourage us today that we have in Jesus Christ, Lord. Let his name be lifted up. Let his name be glorified. And we pray now as we open up your holy word that you would show us amazing things in your word, Lord, that it would give us indestructible joy in him. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, oftentimes in God's word, when God begins a new work, he does so by sending a baby. And not just any baby, but a baby whose birth would not be possible other than supernatural means. Think about it. Abraham and Sarah, well along in years, and she had been barren her whole life. Yet God promises them to send them a child, Isaac, a supernatural birth. Hannah, who is the mom of Samuel, one of the greatest Old Testament prophets whom God used to lead Israel, he anointed two different kings. She, too, prayed for a child because she couldn't have a child, and God opened up her body so that she could have a child, a supernatural birth. And then the predecessor of Jesus Christ himself, John the Baptist, was born to Elizabeth and Zechariah. And Elizabeth, much like Sarah, her ancestor, was well along in age and had not been able to have a child up until that point. John the Baptist's birth was a supernatural birth. All of these things took place because of miracles. And all of these births just foreshadow the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ. All of these births advance the story of redemption that God means throughout history, leading up to the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to take a look at one of these supernatural births. Another supernatural birth in the Bible was the birth of Samson in the book of Judges. And with each one of these supernatural births, we're going to learn how they are the same and different than the birth of Jesus Christ. And how through these supernatural births help us to understand the supernatural birth of our Messiah. I want to invite you, if you have a copy of God's Word, to open it up to the book of Judges. It's not a book that we take a look at very often, but a book that is so rich in depth and in meaning. But also a book that needs a little bit of an explainer. 
some background knowledge to be able um, to understand it. The book of Judges is the seventh book of the Bible, seventh book of the Old Testament. And I believe by far one of the darkest periods of the Old Testament. Much of the Old Testament is uh, focusing on the nation of Israel and telling through Israel's history about how God prepared the way for the Messiah. Well, the book of, of Judges tells a period when there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it's just this one spiritual downgrade after another throughout the book of Judges. Years before, when God sent Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt, he had promised them that when he did, he would lead them to a land. And he would give them freedom in order to worship him there. Well, by the time of the book of Judges, the people are in the land, the promised land, the, the land of Canaan, the, the land that's flowing with, with milk and honey. But rather than focusing on worshiping God, they get enamored by all the false gods of the nations. And as a result, God disciplines his people by allowing these tribes, these nations within the land of Canaan, to conquer them and control them. So even though God had sent, sent them a deliverer in Egypt to lead them to the promised land, they were very much enslaved, definitely, definitely spiritually enslaved, because there's this cycle in the book of Judges where they, they turn from God, they reject God's laws in their life, they worship idols, Things get bad for them because God allows these nations to come in and control them. But then they cry out to God for deliverance. And God sends them a deliverer in the form of a leader called a judge. And that's where we're at in the book of Judges. We open it up this morning to Judges chapter 13. Israel had done what was evil in God's eyes. God had allowed the Philistines to come in and control them. They were crying out for a deliverer. And God promises a deliverer in the form of a supernatural birth. So let's read together. We're going to just read Judges 13, verses 1 through 7. And then we're going to jump down and read verse 24. So Judges 13, 1 through 7. The Israelites again did what was evil. In the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines 40 years. There was a certain man from Zorah, from the family of Dan, whose name was Manoah. His wife was unable to conceive and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, It is true that you are unable to conceive and have no children. But you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now please be careful not to drink wine or beer or eat anything unclean. For indeed, you will conceive and give birth to a son. 
you will never cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Then the woman went and told her husband, a man of God came to me. He looked like the awe-inspiring angel of God. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. He said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Therefore, do not drink wine or beer and don't eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth until the day of his death. Now let's jump down to verse 24 where it tells us about his birth. So the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew, and the Lord blessed him. So this was a common frame all throughout the book of Judges. You hear this phrase repeated. The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Now notice there, though, they were doing what was evil in the Lord's sight, but they didn't see it. It wasn't necessarily what was evil in their own sight. Very likely, they thought what they were doing was just fine. They likely thought what they were doing was going to work out. They didn't see how very bad they were treating God and how very much they were offending God about what they were doing. At the end of the book of Judges, in at least two different spots, the author of the book of Judges begins to describe how the Israelites were living and acting in a different way. So rather than what they were doing was evil in the Lord's sight, it becomes in those days when there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So there you have it. They had gone from Moses and the law, God's standard, that was meant to define everything about their nation, to rejecting that, jettisoning that, for the false gods of the nations. And they did this because they had forgotten what their standard was. They had replaced God as their standard to make themselves their own authority and their own authority. So they were doing what was evil in the Lord's sight, but in their sight, in their own eyes, they were doing what felt right to them. And it's not a stretch at all of the imagination to see 
Now this directly applies to our day in many different ways and many different topics in our nation. We are living in a very similar time to the time of the book of Judges where people have rejected God's standard and they set up their own standard to where people are living based on what is wise in their own estimation, in their own eyes. Rather than examining the standard of God's Word, they're trying to figure out what is wise in their own eyes. And live their own lives by their, their own standard. From our culture, we get this doctrine. We hear this doctrine repeated over and over again. Do what feels right to you. You do you. Don't let anyone tell you who you are. You tell them who you are, who you want to be. You plot your own course. You chart your own destiny. You do what is right in your own eyes. Not too much a stretch of the imagination to compare the book of Judges, the spiritual comment that was going on, to our own time. And to illustrate, this week, the United States Senate moved to codify into law homosexual marriage. And the reason why this happened is because a large majority of the people in our nation have decided to do what Israel did in the book of Judges, not just over marriage and that issue, but over numerous issues where we have decided to live or at least allow our views to be shaped by what is right in our own eyes rather than what God's standard is set forth in his immutable, infallible word. We are living in a time that's very much similar in many ways to what was happening and going on in the book of Judges. Now, thankfully for them, and thankfully for us, God moves to deliver people from their sins. God had promised his people a deliverer in the book of Judges. And he promised this deliverer, and we find out would be named Samson, to an unlikely couple. A couple who up until this point had not been able to have a child together. The man's name was Manoah. His wife's name is is not told to us. But God loves to take and use unlikely people to do some of his most amazing work. And this is an example of this. 
in the Old Testament. An angel of the Lord appears to Manoah's wife. And the angel of the Lord tells her, I know that you haven't been able to have a child yet. But God is about to change the circumstances. You're going to conceive and have a son. You will give birth to a son. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. So deliverance was the reason why God was sending this son. Salvation is the reason for the birth of this promised child to Manoah and his wife. He was going to be a judge. He was going to be, in many ways, the greater judge than all the rest that had preceded him. And a judge in the book of Judges is like a mini-savior. They're a deliverer of God's people. And God raises up to deliver Israel from their enemies and remove the shame of their sin. I'm sure this woman was ecstatic to hear this news. Not only was she going to have a child when she hadn't been able to have a child, but she was going to have a child who was going to be a judge, who was going to be a leader among God's people in Israel. This wasn't without responsibility on both Manoah and her. Because with as you hear this phrase, with great, with great privilege comes great responsibility. This child, this man, Samson, was going to have a lot on his shoulders. He had a great calling. Therefore, he needed to live to a higher standard than other people. He was going to be a Nazarite. Even from birth. Now, the Nazarite vow was unique, but not too unique to Israel. A person took the Nazarite vow when they had a special calling that they wanted to set themselves apart for. But what is odd about this time is Samson was going to be a Nazarite from birth. Most of the time when someone took a Nazarite vow, it was going to be for a definite period of time. This was going to be expanded throughout his whole life. And it meant three very specific things. One was, he wasn't to cut his hair. The next one was, he wasn't supposed to have any other produce from the vine. So no grape juice, no grapes, and no wine or fermented drink. And then last, he wasn't supposed to have any contact with things unclean, and by definition unclean from the Mosaic Law, and especially dead bodies. Now, as Samson's life progresses, if you've ever read in the book 
Judges, Samson, in many ways, is the greatest of all the judges, the greatest of all the deliverers, but he's also the most flawed of all the judges. And he fails on all three of these counts and many more to live up to the calling and the vow that God had placed on his life because of his calling. That in no way takes away from this supernatural birth or God's calling on Samson's life. And in fact, the very fact that Samson failed to live up to God's call and for all that God wanted from him and for his people drives home the truth that God's people, God's people today, all people, need an even greater deliverer. We don't just need someone like Samson to come and deliver us from human enemies or human problems. We need a deliverer. We need a Savior who is ultimate, who is able to save us from an even worse enemy. A worse enemy that holds, enslaves all of humanity and leads us to the grave. Our greatest enemy is sin. This is why Samson's supernatural birth helps us to understand the greater birth, the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ. Now there are some commonalities between Samson's birth and Jesus' birth that I want to point out, but there are also big differences between Samson's birth and Jesus' birth. So, number one, their births were the same in difference in their supernatural nature. Both Samson and Jesus, their moms, hear about their birth through an angel. An angel appears to their mom and tells them about what's going to happen. Both births were obviously supernatural. They could not take place without God's miraculous intervention. But they're different in that in the case of Manoah's wife, Samson's mom, this was God opening up her body and enabling her to have a child with her husband. But in Mary's case, this was a virgin birth. Something that had never, ever happened before and has never happened since and never will happen again. So first, their births were the same and different in their supernatural nature. And then, their births were the same and different in their experience of disgrace and shame. And let me explain to you. So, Manoah 
and his wife lived in a time where a woman's dignity was very much tied to her ability to carry a child. In Israel, this was tied to the prophecy that we looked at in Genesis, how one born of a woman would destroy the seed of the serpent, would stomp on the head of the serpent. So in Israel, there was an expectation of this prophecy being fulfilled through the birth of Israelite children. So especially it was a, a feeling of shame and disgrace on any Israelite woman who could not bear children that they wore their whole life. But then Noah's wife gets this promise. It's the promise of a supernatural birth where God was going to reverse her shame. Through the birth of Samson, her shame is removed. Now think about with Mary, though. How was her delivery of Jesus different? Well, the promise for Mary to have a child when she was still betrothed to Joseph. Not exactly like our engagement, but similar. There was a legal weight to it. Her getting pregnant and having a child, not yet being married, created shame for her in her community, in her culture. Jesus would be our sin bearer. And this shows us how even him being born into the world under a cloud of suspicion and shame shows us how he will bear our shame. He came into the world to bear our shame. And then last, their birth, Samson's birth versus Jesus' birth, were the same and different in their deliverance, in their power to deliver. Notice what the angel said about Samson. Very subtle, but just notice this. He will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Doesn't say he will save Israel from the power of the Philistines. He will begin. He will only begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Even in Samson's own time, he only had the power to deliver from human enemies, the Philistines, who were controlling and enslaving God's people. But even at that, just partially. He couldn't finish the job in his day and time. In the Old Testament, it would be King David who would be born, who would become king, who would end the Philistine problem for the Israelites once and for good. But still, did King David give the final solution to 
the problem that plagues all of humanity and our greatest need and our greatest enemy? Sin? No. David couldn't even cure the problem of sin in his own life. David's salvation is incomplete, too, that he provided for God's people. Because he couldn't bring about the deliverance that we all need and that we all crave. The deliverance of every human being that calls out in the name of the Lord to be saved from their sin. Only Jesus, who was born of a woman, fully God and fully man, in a supernatural way, can change our hearts and deliver us from the scourge and the shame and the guilt and the punishment of sin. The problem today, just like it was in the time of the judges, is people continue to live as if they are their own authority. When there is no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We live just like they live. The wages of sin is death. We rebel against God. The wages of sin is death. We need salvation. They needed salvation. And that's why Jesus Christ came, born of a virgin, a supernatural birth on a rescue mission to save his people from their sins. And he didn't just begin to save his people from their sins. He did save his people from their sins by stepping down into our shoes, by becoming a human being, by living the life that we've all failed to live, where we've all stumbled in sin and pride, rebelling and going our own way. Jesus came and he lived a sinless life, always obeying the law of God. Where Samson completely squandered obeying God's law, he completely squandered living up to God's call on his life. Jesus came and he said, I've come to do the Father's will. And the Father is the one who has sent me. And God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son. So that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came as our true and ultimate deliverer. He came to take the punishment of sin on himself. He came to take our sin and our shame. And his eyes are open wide to a people that still insist on doing what is right in their own eyes. And he's saying to you, anyone who needs his salvation, to come unto me, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I bore your sin in your place. Now come and follow me and inherit the eternal life that is promised to anyone who belongs to Jesus. Anyone who becomes his follower and enters into the kingdom of God. Yes, brothers and sisters, we need Jesus' salvation. We need his supernatural birth. 
It was our rescue. So will you be one today who surrenders your life to Jesus Christ and follows Him and receives the hope and the deliverance that only He can provide? Or will you be one who, like so many in our nation today, who continue on the road and doing what is right in your own eyes? Will you continue to try to be your own ruler, ruling your own life, trying to do what you feel is right, what you judge as best, rather than trusting in King Jesus to be your God and your power and your authority and your ruler? Which one will you be? Do you submit to Jesus and follow him to save you? Or will you continue on going your own way? This morning, I want to invite you to come and respond by trusting in Christ to save you. Your life can be changed this morning. You can call out in God's name. You can trust in Him as your Savior and Lord. There's no reason why you have to delay any longer. You can come. You can come down during the response time, or if you'd like to talk more about it, I'm available after the service. My number is in the bulletin. You can give me a call. You can shoot me a text. My email is in there. Or you can grab another Christian that you may feel comfortable talking to and ask them about how you can be saved. And they would love to talk to you about trusting in Christ as Lord and Savior. For those Christians, many of us are disciples who have trusted in Christ as a deliverer. Maybe this morning you need to pray more about what it means for you to live more faithfully based on the God, God's call that He has placed on your life. What it means in your situation in your time, based on the challenges that, that you face. Maybe you need counsel that you need to seek. I'd, I'd be happy to talk with you. Others, I know, would also be, be happy to talk with you about a struggle that you may be having or something that, that you need an answer to. Or maybe you just need just to worship Christ. Because he did come from heaven to earth. Because God did send him to rescue us through a supernatural birth. And you just need to respond by magnifying Christ for what he has done for you. For his power to deliver and save you. Whatever it may be, come as you are and trust in God to deliver like no one else can. Let's go to Gilman Prayer. For we acknowledge your power and your ability to save. For we thank you that you have demonstrated your own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. Thank you for your plan. Thank you that you sent Jesus to rescue us through a supernatural birth. 
us through whatever challenges that we may face today. Help us not to be like those in our world who do what is right in our own eyes, but who yield to you and submit to you as our King and our Deliverer. Help us trust your word. Help us to know exactly how to live by your word based on whatever we may face. I pray for someone that needs salvation and maybe here, maybe watch online later. Lord, I pray that they would seek out a Christian who can help lead them to you, Lord. Or let this be the day of their salvation. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Please stand with me.